watched recently, just this weekend, sit down and watch The Passion of the Christ again. Hadn't watched it, obviously, since I saw it the first time. Stirred me. Uh, we had our, our uh, sunrise service this morning, which was good. It was, it was good to be in the, the house of God, in the presence of God. And it was good to eat some food afterward. By the way, men, great job. I enjoyed the breakfast. It was very good. So in light of all that sensory overload of, of the cross, I, I, <laughs> it's easy. You want to just shove all the information into one message. And, and I just, I'm just going to have to obey the Lord today and, and follow what He spoke to my heart, and I'm going to do the best I can with it. If you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I shared with... I shared with our sunrise service this morning, those that were here, that I remember as a child waking up early for Christmas time. And man, I, I would, you boy, I'd get up way before the sun was up. And if I wasn't up, my sisters were up pulling me out of bed, so I'd go wake mom and dad up. And that's, that's just how I was, because I was expecting to receive something, and I was looking forward to it. I can picture it in my mind. And I knew that I was going to have what I wanted to have because I'd asked for it and my mom and dad were good and they were going to give it to me most of the time. But my mentality sometimes towards God is not to just jump right out of bed and seek Him in the morning and expect knowing that He's just going to give to me what I want. Therefore, it's hard to drag myself out of bed to come to sunrise service. But the fact of the matter was, is I came this morning with an attitude and a mentality that said, I'm going to come to receive today because this day is a great day. A day to celebrate the, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. And how many of you received this morning? I was blessed this morning, those of you that were here. Can I, can I share with you that that's going to continue on to this service? That God's going to give? We come, some of you may have come expecting one thing and you're going to leave with something else. I didn't get no amens out of that one. That's okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand, a miracul demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Paul discerns in this passage that there's some conflict has anybody ever been in conflict before? He says he's not going to preach to them with human wisdom. Because the wisdom of man looks at the cross as though it's foolish. And as we read there, 
No wisdom, no knowledge that man ever had was able to save man. There was nothing that we were ever able to do that could bring us into a right relationship with God except the cross. You may be here this morning, you say, Pastor Bob, the cross is, is foolish. Why the cross? There have been a lot of people that said, Pastor Bob, why the cross? It doesn't make sense. And, and that's what I'm tempted to do is to go really deep into all the cross stuff. I'm not going to go into all the history of the cross. I'm simply going to focus on Christ this morning. Why the cross? The cross is foolish. Well, because we have minimized the cross. We have made the cross a necklace. You know, we've hung it in our houses. We've hung it in our car. We put it on t-shirts. You know, we, we treat it as though it's a jewel rather than the ugly symbol that it really is. We've taken it and we've taken it so far out of perspective, we've treated it as though it's a rabbit's foot. If I can just stick this little cross in my pocket, everything's going to be okay. The foolishness of the cross is, is that we have looked at it and we've scorned it and we've said, you know what, that doesn't make sense. Why would a man have to go to the cross and die for me? That just, why would God do that? My friend, I just want to challenge you this morning that your thinking is that of a man and not of God. You see, man couldn't save himself. Man was separate from God. There was a time when man was created, we read in the book of Genesis, that they were perfect and they were made perfect. And they loved God, and God fellowshiped with them, and God walked with man. And there was harmony, and there was peace, and God and man were friends. And God set up boundaries and laws and, and told them what they could do and couldn't do, and man decided that he wanted to be his own God. Satan come to him in the form of a serpent and said, Hey, look, if you eat that fruit, you're not going to die. You will not surely die, but instead you will become like, man, you will become like God yourself, knowing good and evil. So Eve took the fruit, and Eve gave to her husband, and their eyes were opened, and they had sinned against God. And ever since that day, there was a separation. Sin came into the world. Sin came into God's creation, His creation that He made in His own image. You see, everything else, not everything else was made in God's image. The trees, the birds, the dogs, everybody else, the people that God created took those things and made them images and made them gods. Amen? We, we worship a cow. Moo, moo. I don't get it. You know, we worship dogs. But God made us in His image. And we are the one part of creation that turned our backs on Him. We are the one part of creation that forsook God. That turned away from Him. That walked away and did our own thing. And Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden... They were sent out, and we saw where sin just kept increasing and increasing and increasing and increasing and increasing and increasing and increasing. Today, your children can be on the internet and be on pornography within two seconds. They can, any street corner, drugs, alcohol, whatever they want. They have been taught to carry out the desires of their ancestors, Adam and Eve, that wanted instant gratification. That said, I want to become like God, but instead of knowing God and talking to God and, and, and receiving who He is on a daily basis, it's easier if I can just get this quick fix, <coughs> eat the fruit, and instantly quick right now microwave version of God right here. And today it's carried over to us. 
Pastor Bob, I'm not happy, so I've got to take this pill. I've got to snort this line. I've got to shoot this in my veins. I've got to look at this on the internet. I can go out and have this relationship. I can do that because everything's okay because I'm my own God. I'm in charge. I do what I do because I'm me. Listen to me this morning. You believe that because there's a separation. There's a separation. You see, even those that loved God couldn't even get close to Him because their sin was not washed away. They were not cleansed. They wanted to worship God, but they could not get into the Holy of Holies where His presence was. If they did, they would die, so they put a curtain. And that curtain separated. Even if they wanted to, even if they pressed against it and wished that they could be in there, they couldn't because they would die. Only one time a year could the priest go into that place. There is a separation. It's a division. You may say, Pastor Bob, what's the big deal? What is, enter the cross into the situation, and all of a sudden, that separation's gone. And already you look at me and say, Pastor Bob, that's foolishness. That doesn't make sense. You see, to the Jews it didn't make sense because the Jews wanted a Messiah to come that was a political Messiah. They wanted a president. They wanted somebody, a king, that would set up his kingdom and reign and say, this is how it should be and and tell people what to do and and everything would be peaceful and fine and okay. They didn't understand why their God had to come and die on a cross. They wouldn't even believe it. They wouldn't even look at the scriptures and look at it and believe that he was going to come and die even though it said it over and over and over and over again. They just closed their eyes to it so that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to us today. It's foolishness to the mind of man. So we take the cross and we tie it around our necks. We take the cross and on vampire movies we go. And the vampire goes. And then they say, you've got to believe for that to work, old man. And he goes, I do believe. You all have seen him. You know what I'm talking about. Come on now. Vampires are pretty big right now. Not in my house. But anyway, the foolishness of the cross. We can't look at it with our minds. And I'm not going to go into all the deep theology today. I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter 8. And I just want to share some thoughts with you. And I want to challenge you to not look away from the cross and place your hope in yourself. Because for approximately 4,000 years, there was no hope apart from the cross. For 4,000 years, blood of bulls and heifers was shed in deposit looking forward to the cross. Bulls and heifers were brought in and and, and they they were slain and the blood was shed on behalf of people's sins. And their sin was covered, but it was not cleansed. There was separation. When Jesus died on the cross, those sacrifices were made good through His sacrifice once and for all. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. We see the cross is foolish because, number one, of three 
number one of two points, I guess. We see the cross as foolish because we don't understand God. We don't understand His holiness. Mark 8 says this, 34. Then He called the crowd to Him along with His disciples and said, If anyone would come after Me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for Me and for the gospel will save it. To the lost individual, that's foolishness. To the lost individual that looks at us today and says, you crazy, stupid Christians, what are you doing? Why is it that you don't drink alcohol? Why is it that you don't do drugs? Why is it that you guard your eyes and your heart from certain movies and things? That is just stupid. Why does it even matter? It doesn't affect me. It's, 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 who are you to say what's moral and immoral? Listen to me, my friend. You and I don't understand God. Jesus said with his own words, he said, if you're going to follow me, you've got to take up your cross and follow me. You've got to deny yourself. You say, well, why do we have to deny ourselves? Oh, I see, Pastor Bob. If I'm a good enough person, I can be saved. Absolutely not. That's not what he's saying. And he's not telling us to commit mass suicide. He's not telling us, as the Muslim would do, and say, glorify my death by following my Savior. I'm going to blow up as many people as I can. That's not what he's telling us to do. What he's telling us to do is to, not, to deny ourselves. When you and I come into a loving relationship with Jesus Christ, we've got to come to the cross. We have got to understand the cross. The cross in the sense that Jesus laid down everything for you and I. Think about it. What did he lay down? He laid down eternity. Uh, spirit with his Father came down to become flesh. For the first time in his life, he became thirsty. For the first time in his life, he felt pain. For the first time in all eternity, because he was on the cross with your sin in mind, there was separation. Separation between God, the Father, and God the Son. He hung there between earth and sky, unrecognizable in a horrible, brutal fashion, near death. Hanging there on a cross, says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Because he loved you and me. And then he hangs there, and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It wasn't a question that he looked at and didn't know the answer to. He knew the answer to the question. He he, he didn't forsake Jesus, we forsook God. And he was speaking to us for us to see and understand that it was because we've forsaken him that there's the separation. Why was he forsaken? Because our sin was placed upon him. You say, that's foolish. Why would anybody do that? Because you and I don't understand the mind of God. You see, God knew that there were people that loved him and desired to be with him, and they had to be made holy. Because God is holy. God is so holy that he could not even associate with his son who was innocent, had been obedient, and followed the obedience of Christ, of God, to the cross, and hung on the cross in obedience to Father God. He couldn't even associate himself with him because he willingly took your sin and my sin upon himself. See, we don't understand God. Why would God do that to His Son? Doesn't God love His Son? You see, God knew His Son could raise Himself from the dead. (laughs) Amen? God knew that. It's not just whether He did or did not love His Son. It's that He loved us. That God so loved the... Which is lost people. Which is people that did not know Him. The world is people that have done things their own way. God so loved the world 
that he gave his only son. I probably learned this in Connie's class. But if you believe in him, whosoever will believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, if he's going to die on the cross for us, we've got to die for him. That scripture that doesn't make sense, take up your cross and follow me, means I control my actions because of who he is. Because of what he's done for me on the cross. If I say I'm going to love him, I'm going to obey him, that means I'm going to guard and protect my body. I'm going to be holy because he's holy. Amen? Amen. That's what the word of God says. You say, Pastor Bob, that's, that's, that's a weird thing. That doesn't make sense. Listen to me. Can I, can I give you this analogy? It's one of my favorites. A man going through a desert. He was thirsty. He's out of water. Needed a drink. Kind of like how I feel right now. Needed a drink comes to an oasis and a pump. And on the pump it says there's a bottle buried at a certain spot in the sand. It's full of water. It said you can take this bottle and you pour every drop of it to prime this pump. And when you do, you'll be able to pump fresh, clean, cold, refreshing water. But when you're done drinking, drink all that you want. But when you're finished, please fill the bottle back up and put it back so when somebody else passes by, they can have the same thing. Well, the man obviously thirsty, dying of thirst in the wilderness. He's going, wow, I'm going to die. Tempted, obviously, to do what? To take the bottle and drink it. Why? Because how do I know if this pump even works? How old is this pump? This pump's been here forever. How do I know that I don't take this water that I think is my life, everything for me, that I could drink this water right now? Sure, it's warm. It might have some bacteria growing in it that's been laying out here. It's probably nasty, but you know what? It'll keep me alive. Maybe I should just take this and drink it and do my own thing. But the, but the thing said, the message said, pour it all into the pump. And you can have as much as you want. What do I do? He's torn. So the man thinks about it and finally says, you know what, I'm, I'm dead either way. If I drink this water, I'm probably dead because it's not going to be enough to last me. So he says, you know what, I'm going to pump, I'm, going to, I'm just going to do it. And he pours it in and he just starts pumping like crazy. Pretty soon there's a little drip. Pretty soon there's a, a, just a belch of water and then it starts coming. And pretty soon there's a steady stream of water. And he starts drinking. And he takes the water and he's rubbing it in his face and his eyes. And he's drinking and drinking. He fills all of his jugs. And he keeps pumping and filling everything. And finally, lastly, he looks at the bottle. And he takes it. And he fills up the bottle. Sticks it back. Hides it. Puts the note up there and says, it really does work. You say, what's your point, Pastor Bob? I'm here to tell you this morning, the cross may be a very old message. It may be something that people look at and say, you know what, I've, I've heard that all my life. I'm tired of you Christians telling me I have to come to church. Listen, it's not about church. It's about the cross. Amen. It's about our soul. It's about bowing before Him and giving Him everything we have. Because if you give everything you have, you will receive more than you could have on this earth. Amen. Every drink 
of this life that you hold on to and says, this life is my all in all. This life is my everything. This life is everything that I got to have because this is what makes me happy. As long as we indulge in this life and we put all ourselves into whether it be the alcohol, whether it be the drugs, whether it be the, the pornography, whether it be illicit, illicit sex, whatever it may be, on and on and on, anything that we call sinful, as long as we pour ourselves into what we have created in this life, all we're doing is sipping drinky, uh, drinking dirty, nasty water that's not going to keep us alive. My friend, you and I one day will die. And it's only through the cross, if we pour ourselves into Christ, if we give Him everything we have, we will find ourselves refreshed. But it's foolishness, Pastor Bob. It's foolishness. Why would I lose myself because myself is the most important thing I have? Absolutely not. That brings me to my second point. Because you see, you look at yourself based upon things. And that is not who you are today. Mark chapter 8, verse 36 says, What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? The most valuable thing that you have in your life is your soul. The reason the cross is foolish to you and I is because we have forgotten the value of our soul. And we have handed our soul over to dirty water that we think is going to sustain us for the rest of our lives and it's not making us happy. I didn't expect a whole lot of amens today. Let's just look at a few things. How do we know when something's considered valuable? Something is considered valuable when we look at the designer name on it. Think about it for a second. Gucci. Armani. Start going through the names of everything that's extremely expensive. And it's got the name on it. So all of a sudden people are saying, I've got to buy that. I remember being a little kid, I wanted Nikes. And mom said, I'm not getting you Nikes. I wanted Nikes. And they said, all you're doing is paying for the name. These other shoes that pay less are just as good. You're just paying for the name. I would argue that point, by the way. <laughs> you want to know why the reason? You want to know the reason your soul is valuable? Because God made it. Why would Jesus go to the cross for me, because he knows how much your soul is worth. Why would he go to the cross for me? Why would he go do that for me? It was the only way, and it was the only way that he could receive that which was valuable, and that's your soul. He was saving what you're giving away. It's got his name on it. It was designed by him. You say, but Pastor Bob, I was conceived in the back of a car. I don't care if you were conceived in the back of a car, a stinky motel room, or in a mansion. Your soul was designed by God. God made it. Every child's worthy. But I was, a, I was born of a rape. Uh, my, I was raped. I needed to abort. But that soul was designed by God. Should not be aborted. That's God's. You see, Jesus Christ went to the cross for your soul. What about supply and demand? What makes something valuable is supply and demand. People will go through their life and they'll spend millions and millions of dollars for a rare painting. 
They'll spend millions of dollars on rare paintings, on cars, on motorcycles, toys of all kinds because they are rare. Can I tell you something? Your soul is valuable because it's a rare commodity. You only got one. You don't forfeit your soul. You don't give it away and say, I don't really need it, and then go off and say, I'll get another one someday. You got one. It's valuable. It's priceless. Nothing can buy it. Nothing. It can be given away, but your soul is still you. You'll never be apart from it. Your soul is valuable because you only got one. Pastor Bob, I've only got one life to live. This is the life I choose. This is the life I live. Yes, and you're drinking dirty water. What are you doing? Why would you give away something that thirdly is very durable? Certain car makers are known for their lasting uh, road capabilities. So they have a very high resale value. Amen? Why? Because it's a very durable car. It lasts a long time, therefore it's got a nice resale value. It's expensive up front. Why? Because it lasts a long time. Can I tell you this morning that your soul will not wear out? Why would Jesus go to the cross for me? Because He knows your soul is an eternal thing. It's eternal. It will not die. It's not going to break. It's not going to rot. It's not going to rust. It's not going to wear out. It is eternal. Well, the cross is foolish. That doesn't make sense because you have the mind of man. You don't understand God. He went to the cross not to make your life happy, warm, and fuzzy on this earth. He died for your soul. Your soul. Pastor Bob, I don't believe in life after death. I don't believe that there is any life after I die. I don't believe in heaven and hell. And I don't believe that any of that stuff works. I, I think you're a crazy man. I think it's all foolish. You know what? I may be foolish to you, but the creator of the universe sent his son to die for your soul. What does that tell me? It tells me that there is a heaven and there is a hell. If there's something worth saving, then it's being saved from something to something. If you were in a fire, I could stand there and say, well, I don't believe that fire really exists. I think you would understand differently, amen? And say, it does exist, come get me. Can I tell you there was a man that said that? There was a man that said it. Lazarus, a beggar, laid outside the rich man's house with sores and the dogs would come lick his sores. He didn't even have any friends. But both died one went to Abraham's bosom. Abraham, uh, Abraham's bosom was Lazarus. The rich man went to torment in hell. And they could see across each other in a chasm there. And the rich man begging Lazarus to come. Just come and put a drop of water on my tongue. And Abraham said, no, I can't send you. There's a great chasm. I can't go to you. You can't come to me. He said, well, then, you know, let... Let me go back and tell my brothers, I have brothers that are wicked and they don't know and they don't believe. And they said, they have Moses, they have the prophets. They said, yes, but they would believe if, if somebody rose from the dead. He said, even if somebody rose from the dead, they still would not believe. Why are we here today? Because somebody has risen from the dead. Do you believe today? Your soul is one day going to spend one of two places, heaven or hell. And God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your soul. You may not value it. You may want to give it away. You want to give it up for everything else. 
Can I challenge you with one other thought today? That even if you did gain the whole world, you can't keep it. You can't keep it. Pastor Bob, I don't believe in all this holiness stuff and, and dying to myself. You know, I live in this world. I, you got, I got to have nice things. I got to have this. I got to have my friends. And I, I have a lifestyle that I enjoy, blah, 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 blah. Listen to me. Even if you gained it all, you can't keep it. Number one, you can't gain it all. You can't work enough Sundays. You can't work enough Wednesdays. You can't work enough jobs. You can't buy enough stuff. You can't invest enough in the stock market. You're never going to end up with the whole world. But even if you could, it still pales in comparison to the value of your soul. You can't gain it. And when you do gain it, if you did gain it, you don't own it anyway. You say, what do you mean? Because I've been in ministry long enough and I've been around long enough to know that people are crazy when somebody dies. Amen? Sometimes before your body is cold, they're in your house gathering up all your stuff. Come on, somebody. Is that true or false? Families fighting and arguing over everything. All of a sudden, all these people that loved you so much and all so wonderful, they're all my best friends in the whole world. They unplug your lifeless body from the wall and they go to your house and start gathering up all your stuff and they've forgotten about your soul. <laughs> oh, it's a hard reality, isn't it? We all going to die. And somebody's going to get all that precious, glorious stuff. Slipping the rings off your fingers before they close your casket. Could you? <laughs> Reminds me of the story of the, 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 the very, very rich man that told his wife, said, said, uh, you've got to give me all my money. I want you to bury me with all my money and made her promise. She said, okay, and he went. And, and, and uh, before they closed the casket, she slipped something in and they said, you didn't really put all his money in there, did you? And she said, I wrote him a check. If he can cash it, he can keep it. <laughs> you can give it all up. You cannot gain the whole world. But there's a challenge here that if we do try to gain the world, we're going to forfeit our soul. And why? Because I take it back to the Garden of Eden. Because we're looking for a quick fix for our kingdom, for our pleasure, for our enjoyment. And we forget about the most important, precious commodity we have, and that's our soul. That's what Jesus was interested in when he went to the cross. He wasn't interested in giving you a Rolex, my friend. He wasn't interested in giving you a Lamborghini or nice cars or nice homes. He'll bless and you'll receive from Him, that's true. But it's not His goal and desire to bless your flesh. He killed His flesh for your soul. He wants you to kill your flesh too. He wants us to set aside our desires and wants. Why? Because we have, we have an enemy 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You see, the enemy, Satan, is a con artist. And all of us in this room, all of us were born and we ended up being sinful. Some of us are still sinful but redeemed. Can I get an amen? What was that? Kids up here doing whoop. That's a whoop whoop, wasn't it? I forgot. 
some of us have got to realize and recognize that there's an enemy out there battling for our soul. If Jesus came to save us, he came to save us from something. And he's a con artist. He'll look at us, and how about, I'll just give you an example how he works. If you and I were in here today and I had a million dollars and I said, I tell you what, I got a million dollars, it's here for you, um, all I'm going to require from you is a pinky. Just a pinky. Not a big deal. Most of us are going, pinky, million dollars, I'll do it, let's do it. I can live without a pinky, amen? We can do that. So we take off the pinky. We say, well, I don't know. That, maybe, maybe we should go up, you know, pinky toes, pinkies, and big toe. I'll hobble a little bit, but that's okay. A million dollars, I can get one of those little things where I just ride around on, you know? <laughs> those little things. I can do that. So then after a while, and you start saying, ah, I, don't, I don't know, a million dollars is a lot of money. How about if, how about if we take your leg? One leg, I think I'd get a nice prosthetic, you know, I'd kind of hobble a little bit, but it's all right, a million dollars. And then he starts moving along, he says, how about the other leg? How about, how about the arms? How about, and then pretty soon, all of a sudden, we're, we're, we're compromising down to the point, to what point are we going to stop and see the value of what he's stealing? There's some things money can't buy, my friends. That is the mindset of the enemy. He just looks at you and says, you know what, just a drink, it's not going to matter. It's just a night out with the guys, it's not a big deal. You know what? It may not be. But the next time, and the next time, the next time, pretty soon you find yourself pouring all of your resources in for that drink. Pretty soon you find yourself pouring all your resources in that gambling. Or pretty soon you find yourself hours and hours and hours on the internet looking at pornography. Feeding something, giving your soul away to receive something that's so temporary. It's not going to last. We've handed over something that is so valuable for things that are so temporary. You see, the cross is an ugly thing. God spoke with me. If Amber wants to come up, she can go ahead and come up. I'm going to close our service out. God challenged me with this just a matter of probably three or four weeks ago, a month ago. I had, I had my keys in my pocket I never lose stuff. I seldom lose things. There's a couple things in my life that I've lost that I, it still bothers me to this day, and it's been like 15 years. Okay, I don't usually lose stuff. But I, I lost my keys, now my church keys. And it was the week before I went on vacation. I looked. I thought, well, they're at home. I didn't have them here. And I looked at home. I didn't find them. I thought, well, they're in the car. They weren't in the car. I go on vacation just going crazy. Where's my keys? Well, not only did I lose my keys, I lost a bill. I never lose bills. It was an insurance payment. Sorry, Joelle's not here. Is she good? It was an insurance payment. And I, I knew I had it, and I knew how much it was supposed to be, but I could not find the bill. And I looked everywhere, and to this day, I still don't know where that is. Couldn't find it. And I lost April's favorite pin. It's a big deal when it's April's favorite pin. Don't... I lost my keys, lost a bill, lost April's favorite pin. And it drove me crazy. I went on vacation, came back, and I still couldn't find it anywhere. I was calling places. I checked all the places in town. I was calling to the church I was at the week before. And I'm going, where are my keys? <laughs> and finally, I mean, I'm going through. We've got to change all the locks in the church. We've got to do this. got to do that. I'm driving. I'm on the way to Petersburg. I said, you know what, God? I talked to him just like this. I said, I know it's not a big deal to you. But it's driving me crazy. I could use a little bit of help with this. 
don't know where my keys are. I don't care about the bill. The pen would be nice to find. But <laughs> You know what he spoke to me? Almost instantly. He said, Bob, you've lost him because you did not value what I entrusted to you. Okay, you're going to help me find him, Lord? <laughs> and that's what he spoke to me is because, listen, we, God has entrusted your soul to your care. And some of us have treated it as though it's our own and we just give it away and do whatever we want to do. Christ died for it. He purchased it with his blood. When I went home, after God spoke to me, I found my keys. We found the pen. Oh, and the book that was missing too. I'm like, wow. My friend, it's that easy to gain that relationship with Jesus Christ because of the cross. It may be foolish to you. It may be crazy. It may be silly. It may be stupid in your mind. But in God's mind, it was the only thing to do. One other word God spoke to me, and I'm going to shut up after this. Some of you have heard this, and I don't care. It's, it, it, God spoke it very clear to my heart, and it was a good word. I'm going to share it. I sit on the couch watching Antique Road Home Show. PBS. This lady comes in with a jar, vase, and they, they appraise it, they look at it, and it's worth thousands of dollars, thousands and thousands of dollars. And she goes, oh, my. She said, I, I bought this at a garage sale for, like, nothing. And she said, it's worth this much? And they said, yeah. He said, well, she goes, well, I, I probably shouldn't just leave it sitting out then, should I? They said, no. And God spoke to me and he said, Bob, you want to know how much you're worth? When I came and died for you, I wasn't surprised what your value was. I spent every ounce of my blood for it. I paid the highest price that I could possibly pay for you. I didn't come and then get surprised at what I was purchasing because I knew and I was willing to pay the full price. I didn't barter. I didn't try to find some easy route. I didn't do it the cheap way. I suffered every ounce of pain. I suffered every ounce of everything so that you could have salvation to be your owner. My friend, today you say the cross doesn't make sense. Why did his, his flesh have to be ripped off his body? Why, why in the world did they have to mock him so hard? Why did they have to rip his beard out? Why did they have to put a crown of thorns on his head and beat him over the head? Why did they have to stretch his arms, dislocate his shoulders, and drive nails through his hands and feet and drop him up there and, and, and wait for him to die? Why did they have to do that? Why did Jesus do that? I'll tell you why he did it. It may be foolishness to you and I, but it was to purchase your soul. This morning, for you to look away from the cross... And for I to look away from the cross is to look at God and say, I don't need you. I don't want you. I reject you. Because the message is very clear today. Do you need Jesus Christ? Have you surrendered yourself to him? Have you given him your soul today? You see, he's already purchased it. But instead of forfeiting it and giving it away to somebody else for temporary pleasures, give it to him for an eternal investment. You stand with me this morning.